ladies and gentlemen, welcome in to another exciting, exhilarating, enthralling, uh, entertaining episode of the Calvercast number 78. I am Graham Parker. You are Jess, Jess, Jess Miller. That I am. A very hungry Jess Miller. I am hungry too. We are recording this right around lunchtime. This is, a, I don't think we've ever done this before. It's pretty late. I was a little nervous when you said... You know, eleven something. Well, I had other things to do this morning. What were you doing? I was doing other things, uh, but my lunchtime, you know, encroaches quickly. And you don't usually eat lunch. It's eleven fifteen. No, I well, some some, not this early. No, I'm just hungry right now. But obviously, this will run into the time. And by the time I drive home, because I'm meeting home today, and so. If I continue to draw this banter out and things like that, will that make you irritated? No, maybe I'll forget my <laughs> hunger and can get back to uh, what we're doing here. Oh, that's funny. We're actually able to record a podcast, but um, you know what would have been cool? Here's the thing. Okay. And a lot of people don't know this probably that are listening, but this week is the last together for the gospel conference. We were yes. just talking we're about just it a talking little bit. About it. We're so not there. there. No, we're not there. I went Because we're not together for the gospel anymore, I guess. How many were you a part of? None. Well, the one in 2020 virtually. That's the only one I've You didn't to. get to go to any. Mm-hmm. And because I have several, and I wish I would have gone because several of my friends are there. And uh, we yeah. should have, I guess maybe I didn't realize that you had never been to one. But I, I do say in a sense, uh, I went to the one in 2020 virtually. I hadn't plans to go. So right. my young Restless Reformed card, I can kind of... I have it right still. I but also there is something to being there in that auditorium right. with all those men. But this year singing. it's not in the same place. It's in a giant just convention room. Looks like a giant warehouse. So it's not at it's the, not Yum, the Center. Yum Center. Yum Center. Yum the greatest Center. name for an KFC arena. Yum Center. By the way, the Together for the Gospel, that's what we're talking about. Together mm-hmm. for the Gospel mm-hmm. Conference has been going on for Since every other year for a lot 2006. of years. 2006. It's uh, kind of led by men like Mark Dever mm-hmm. and Legan uh, Duncan. Duncan and Al Mohler. Al used Mohler. To be. And they've had people like R.C. Sproul as a part of it in the beginning. Of course, mm-hmm. he's with the Lord now. John MacArthur <coughs> used to be with it from the beginning. He's John Piper. They've had different people. Yeah, Piper was one, and they had pe- different people coming out. And it's just a lot of preaching. Mm-hmm. And then they do have some side things. And every time you go there, though, you get a bunch of books, yeah. which is good. I did read, uh, I'll have to send you this because you'll find it funny. Uh, another podcast, which I won't name, uh, they wrote a book from their podcast and they wrote a chapter on what's with the deal with conferences and the opening conclusion is they're basically just church camp or they're just camp for pastors. Right, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think there's <laughs> some truth. To it's the right? truth of that. You get together and you eat other people's snacks and yep. stay up late and talk about theology and preaching. Well, and, stuff. and I think people here would be somewhat familiar that have been here because they know I would go yeah. to that. And I went a number of years. I went to MacArthur's conference once the, mm-hmm. uh, whatever it was. I went to the Gospel Coalition. I've done uh, that one. Yep. And so I've, you know, I've done that. And uh, we chose this year not to. I think we're just, um, we had some reasons. Mm-hmm. And uh, about conferences too, my thought uh, thoughts on these, on kind of the celebrity pastor movement that we've seen do some damage. And I, I think that's part of the reason it's probably coming to an end to a degree. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. You know, that's kind of, platform people that maybe shouldn't have been platformed at times and yeah some things like that and in the years that like i would do that 
I had some good ones and some where I I could have done without it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But usually, like if anybody's listening to this and they want to um, yeah. watch one of these, you can go to the Together for the Gospel website. They video these sermons basically. They're all they're, available now, by the way. Are they really? Yeah. They're already up and running. They're already up. Yeah. Yeah. So I might. Uh, I've been watching them. And, so. so at any rate, they can watch those, and usually the teaching's really yeah. solid and good. You know, because you know you think about it, it's these guys that they know they're going to be preaching in front of. Tens of thousands there, and then twelve thousand. Yeah, about the number of people listen to our podcast. Right, yeah, and then millions eventually online and stuff. So they hit their home runs. They bring their home run (laughs) sermons in. There's that's got to be some pressure if you think about it, man. I would think so. I would not want to do that. Oh, I would think it would be some pressure. Yeah. But so anyway, that that's not really what we were going to podcast about. Nope, that's not at all. We just I saw we we were able to podcast because we're not there. But oh, I know what I was going to say. Okay. What would have been cool is if we were there and podcasted from there. That's true. We but could, how would we? We, we could, wouldn't have had the equipment, right? Oh, we could take it. We could have got a booth. Yes. And set it up in their bookstore thing, right? Right. And advertised ourselves. Not that we would do that, but then we could. Do pod because people are there doing that, right? Yeah. They're like, come by this booth and podcast with us. We could have done this. Nobody would have come to our booth. You never know, though. They're just walking by, and then we're talking. It's like Calvary Cast. They're like, what's this about? Uh, and then they listen to us, something intriguing, controversial, something that would have hooked them in. They yeah. would have been like, wow. We could talk about why we did the uh, helicopter Easter egg drop on Easter Sunday this last week. Oh, you know, that, that was, was in my hometown. Oh, Rockford, really? Illinois. Oh, I was joking. Oh, no, 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 no. I thought you weren't joking. No. <laughs> okay, so the church in my hometown, the big church, uh-huh. right? Every church, it's got a couple of big churches, but this is the cool this one or thing. whatever. <laughs> they did a helicopter Easter egg drop. Rockford I always first. thought that was a joke. No, my brother sent me the text. Wow. It had the news. The news was there and everything. He had a little video. I there. saw a church here in town had a 10,000 egg Easter egg hunt. Hmm. That's a lot of eggs. Yeah. I bet a lot of kids got saved from that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we digress. We uh renting a helicopter, give me a break. So anyway. we are six minutes and twenty seconds in and All we right, haven't we actually got to our in. topic. So let's uh let's talk about it so we don't bore the people any longer. What well, are we uh we I'm doing? excited because this isn't just for today. What we're starting is a little s- podcast series here. Mm. Uh on Go ahead. You're gonna. Well, say no. I was gonna say we have done that before, and then never actually completed the series. But we will. We this will. One. We, we will, will complete yeah. this. We may intersperse other. Yes, topics. That's topics the beauty of a it. podcast series. Yeah. You can kind of jump in and out. But anyway, this one comes from the Gospel of John, mm-hmm. one of my favorite portions of Scripture, John 13 through 17, mm-hmm. which is the what we call the Upper Room Discourse, mm-hmm. and uh, it takes place on uh, the Thursday. Mm-hmm. Uh, before Christ goes to the cross in that upper room when uh, he brings his disciples there to observe the Passover feast and uh, a number of things transpire in this. And we have five chapters of mm-hmm. material here of Jesus's uh, words and actions uh, for that time. So it's really important and I think it's really cool and I think it's uh, worthy of some yeah. discussions. Well, let me kick you off with uh, my uh, note pad full of questions if you people could see they i had hold it up and scribbled with one sentence why is the upper room discourse so important right well that's good there that's all my notes that's all i have yeah and if we're talking specific now all four gospels make reference to this mm-hmm. occasion 
Okay. And we just got done with Passion Week, so mm-hmm. we understand that on Thursday and that all four gospels talk about it. And um the most probably the most well known thing that transpired in this was uh the institution of the Lord's Supper, which interestingly isn't addressed in John's account of the upper room. That is interesting. It is. And um, you know, in as I've always thought about the upper room. Uh, I've been intrigued with this because um, there is so much here that the other Gospels didn't touch on. And then, you know, things like that. Well, like the That's main kind, thing like that. kind of like how John's entire Gospel is in That's a lot right. of ways. He touches on all the stuff the other Gospel writers don't really touch yeah. on. And I think, well, you know, his Gospel is the latest of Gospels. Right. Produced decades after the others. and And that's significant. And he... You know, we're assuming would have had access to the the teachings from the other mm-hmm. gospels, and his doesn't follow along with those at mm-hmm. all, and that's why it's not one of what we call the synoptic gospels right. that kind of seem to uh, have all those connections used others as source. You know, use right. the other gospels as sources and stuff. So this is way down the road, and you know, maybe John was just like, there are things that Jesus did in that room and said in that room that disciples of Jesus need to know. Mm. And um, so all, you know, all of the gospel of John, he says in John 20 is uh, he designed it so that you would believe that Jesus is the son of God, uh, the Messiah and the son of God, and that by believing you can have life in his name. Right. And um, in this, in this upper room, he's kind of really expanding on what happened there and, and a lot of what Jesus taught in preparing his disciples for his departure out of the world, that he was no longer going to physically be with mm. them, but now he's going to, uh, he'll be with them, Yeah, you know, through his spirit. But the other comforter, the one like him is coming mm-hmm. and will be with them forever. It's like his final charge. I think, yeah, a lot of it is. And, you know, it's a really emotional scene in time because if we remember it, it's the Passion Week, so... Jesus told his disciples when he goes into Jerusalem, it is to be betrayed, turned over, and crucified, right? right? And uh, he gets in there through that week, and it seems like he's doing everything to make sure that happens very publicly, very, Mm -hmm. you know, he's not hiding. He's uh, going into the temple immediately, doing all these types of things that were going to draw that kind of negative attention to himself. And um, I think the disciples were um, confused, I think they were probably, um, you know, how you would feel if you weren't sure what was happening, but you kind of feel right. a weight in the room and you right. know Jesus is different there's a, now. He's There's a sense of anticipation, but not under, like, not fully sure what you're anticipating. Maybe. Right. And I think they were experiencing a lot of that, and it yeah. would culminate then after he left here into Gethsemane right. and then um, the trials through the night and then the cross. So yeah. it's an emotional time, and... Um, Jesus in this upper room is 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 going to announce his betrayer, uh, and he's going to once again tell them he's leaving. They're not going to want to hear that. He's going to inform them that the time ahead is a time of persecution, uh, and that for following him, they should expect to be per- treated as he was treated. And so they're, they've heard things about this week, they've seen things, and then this is, is culminating this night, and I think a lot of... Uh, heaviness 
um, even though they don't fully understand what's going on or even, you know, they, they don't get it, you know, they're, they're, uh, they just don't understand yet, but there's, there's a, a weightiness to, I think this evening, uh, that they're noticing. But one of the things Jesus is doing is, um, I think is so cool is that he knows he's about to suffer. And yet what he does is he turns his attention to his disciples. Yeah. I mean, he that that really is something yeah. that's phenomenal to me. He's ministering to them as he's about to go through the greatest agony ever known to man. Right. And that would actually be contrary to our our natures yeah. of we would want to be ministered to. Yeah. So we're about to suffer and what what is our first instinct is like please minister to me. Yeah. <laughs> So when I put myself in Jesus' shoes, knowing, because remember, he knew exactly what was going to happen to him in graphic detail, actually. And and then he turns his attention to the disciples and ministers to them. And, um, you know, it's something he desired to do. Luke's gospel said uh, that he reported to them, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Mm-hmm. So he's wanting to be there with them, and he's turning his attention to them. And uh, we're going to see him do some cool things. Like, uh, Well, the one main thing that we'll see, maybe we'll talk about this next time, John 13, wash the disciples' feet. And, and I really just think this is a treasure of material that we wouldn't have had if John wouldn't, yeah. if the Spirit wouldn't have, you know, move John to remember these things and to write them down for us. Yeah. Um, In this whole, just kind of introducing us to the upper room discourse, and we're talking about what Jesus is doing in his last hours of ministering to these disciples, isn't it? I mean, this is essentially what John is saying, that he, he does this well when he says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Yeah. Right? That's kind of summarizing, this is what he's going to do now. He's going to love them to the end. He's going to love them well yep. as he ministers to them in his uh, final hours. Yeah, he'll love them by washing their feet in yeah. an act of, uh, of sincere love mm-hmm. and humility. He's going to love them by, you know, uh, teaching them. And helping them, and that's that's really what I was gonna as just in the introduction, just talk about today is the last verse of really his teaching is in John sixteen verse thirty three. Then he goes into what we call the high priestly prayer, but in John sixteen thirty three, he explains everything he said and what he why he said he said I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So his his main objective, it seems like in this room, <clears throat> is not just to instruct or teach, though he does that, but it is to do so with the purpose that they hear these things, understand them, remember them, and have peace in him, because he knows they are about to go through turbulent times. That would be all through that weekend, of course, <clears throat> until the joy of seeing him. But even then, as following him, life would be turbulent. So following me, says Jesus, is not going to be easy. This world is going to be filled with tribulation for you, trials, suffering. Um, you know, that's that's what you can expect. But through that, what I want you to have is a peace, you know, peace from me or my peace. As a matter of fact, in John 14, verse 27, he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. 
Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. That what Jesus wants for his people is for them to have, and I think in this context, the peace is inner calm in the face of, of suffering, inner calm in the face of tribulation that comes from him. It's actually his that he gives to us. Uh, Paul talks about this kind of peace when he says uh, it's the peace that surpasses understanding, right? And it guards our hearts and minds of Christ Jesus. So this world for his disciples would not be easy. It would be, um, there's going to be a lot of contention and suffering and trials, but Jesus wants his people to have peace. And it's all anchored in knowing him. And I think this is just his gracious way of of leaving his people with with peace and and helping us. And um, I think it shows God's love for us, even in that he has this for us, because it's not just his His immediate disciples, those mm-hmm. 11 that he wanted to have peace. He wants us to have peace. Yeah. The first time I taught through this section of Scripture was at Morningstar Church years ago, and, and I as I kept going through it in the beginning, just thinking about it, I thought the theme of this of these five chapters is peace in turbulent times, you know, or finding peace in turbulent times, because, you know, it seems like in our lives it's it's one turbulent event after another, or either for us or people that other Christians that we know. Right going through various forms of suffering, trials. We never know what's around the corner. We just know that everything around the corner is going to be accompanied with the fallenness of this world and suffering. And so, but but through all of that, Jesus wants us to have peace in him, to find that peace in him. And and this this these chapters can help us with that. It's not the only thing we look at in the Bible for peace, but these chapters certainly are instructional for us in that. Um, one, one passage I thought of from the Old Testament, just to make a connection here, um, is uh, this isn't you know something new that God wants his people to have peace no matter what happens. Uh, this is something that is both Old and New Testament. He wants his people to have peace in him and trust in him. And it's Psalm 46, which is uh, well known, but I think is, is pertinent. And it says, uh, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in tr- uh, trouble. The pre- the idea of present help would be like well-proved, like he's proven himself uh, you know, over and over to us and faithful. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah. In other words, even if the worst case scenario happens, right, we find our peace in God who is our refuge and strength. He says, verse four, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the most high. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And then listen to this confident cry. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And here we have um, the God of Jacob incarnate in the upper room. Hmm. 
you know, he is with us and he's promising, I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm going to come to you. The father and and I will make our home with you. We're going to give you the spirit. He's going to be with you forever. And so that no matter what is happening and what those disciples were going to go through, what we're going to go through, that we can look to him and have that kind of peace. Um, I'm going to, can I jump in here for a minute? So a thought, a couple of thoughts are coming to mind about, about this because so if in the upper room, the, that kind of general theme is one of peace in the midst of turbulent times. I'm looking at Job right now for Sunday. We're going to work through the book of Job. And of course that's all about the righteous sufferer, right? Job not experiencing peace in this world in any way, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Experiencing tremendous physical loss and pain and, and family. And there's a lot of Job is actually, you know, it's a, a discussion between him and his friends, and they have really wrong views about God and why Job is suffering the way that he is. Hmm. Um, but the thing that I that I want to draw out from that is that, well, I think Job misunderstands why he's suffering. Job's friends misunderstand why he's suffering, right? Because they're saying, well, you're only suffering because you sinned. Therefore, you need to repent, and then everything will just be restored, restored rightly. And what happens at the end of the book of Job, right, is that the Lord speaks. And the Lord answers Job and corrects him. And so I think in the midst of difficulty, there is, an, there is something that we need to understand that, that like peace, in a sense, is learned, hmm. right? And it's learned uh, through the character of God as he's revealed himself. So when the Lord speaks uh, and, and he says, this is who I am, this is how I act, that's where like peace comes from. So that's why you know the upper room is such a wonderful thing, because here's the Lord speaking and teaching us, this is what this is why you can actually have peace in the midst of difficulty and yeah. trial and circumstance uh, that are that are horrible. And I think that's also where Job kind of gives us some helpful models because he is a righteous man. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the, where the book begins. He's a righteous and blameless man. Um, and, and yet he asks really hard questions of God. Yeah. He does it... Uh, his suffering's not poo-pooed in a sense, right? right? You know, that he's just like, well, I'll just grin and bear it. No, he's like, I wish I would, I would rather be dead. Uh, I would have been better if I had not been born. Hmm. But yet he learns through the character of God. Right. True peace. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, I think so too. And it, it isn't just, you know, this idea of peace isn't like a vending machine where we put in our coins and we get our peace out. Right. But it is this experiential knowledge of Jesus, knowing him personally, of God generally and, and experiencing him in our lives. And that's why, you know, Christians in their early stages go through hard times and they're struggling more for peace than when right. you see a, a well-seasoned Christian right. whom God has re- shown himself faithful over and over again. Their peace is greater, right? Well, there are sense. things that can be learned in times of a lack of peace that you'll never learn in a peaceful time. And right. so even as I'm studying Job and I'm asking, why does God allow this testing? Why do these things happen to him? Uh, it's because there are things that Job learns about God, and we learn about the character of God and about suffering that couldn't we wouldn't know if it didn't happen. That's right. You yeah. know, so so even as we think about why does the Lord allow unpeaceful times in in our lives? Because uh, there are just lessons that we could not learn any other way. That's right. And I think in this time, and we'll just, I guess we can just leave it with this part here and we'll pick up back in chapter 13 next time, maybe go through some of these sections Mm -hmm. in detail. But, you know, John chapter 14, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Like, don't allow that to happen. Okay. When things are going on or whatever you're experiencing right now, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. 
And, you know, there's a number of things that would come out of that. Like, you know, the way you would trust in the God of Psalm 46, now trust in me in the same way, you know. But the idea is, you know, faith, faith in God and his promises and his presence with his people and his his help and his sustaining grace, faith in Jesus, the one who who lived and died and rose for us, the one who suffered for us, the one who knows what it is to suffer, who's promised to help us. It's that turning to to God in these turbulent times that is going to bring about that peace. And and so Jesus is really going to bring out a number of things that I think are very helpful when we walk through turbulent times. He's setting the example for it, but he's also instructing them because he's about to walk through the most turbulent time imaginable. And then he's instructing those of his disciples he loves. He knows they're going to walk through these times too, and he wants us to have peace. Cool. Well, we hope this uh, discussion has been helpful and the future conversations we have around these uh, passages will be helpful for folks in our church and outside of our church as well. We always love to hear from our listeners, so you can contact us a number of ways. If you're part of our church, come up and talk to us. That's the easiest way. Send us a text message or give us a phone call. If you're outside the church, send us an email at thecalvarycast at gmail.com. We always love to hear from you. At Calvary, we exist for the glory of God, the good of his people, and the Great Commission. So until next time.